You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Time for game one here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns in the NBA at SB Nation as well as Dime Magazine, and you can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Most importantly, though, follow our show on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns, where you can keep up with the latest on these Phoenix Suns as they make their way through the NBA Finals. Uh, I'm not even going to say that it feels weird to say that anymore because we've beaten that. Uh, into the ground. It does feel crazy. It does feel unexpected and it does feel exciting. I'm sure all of you can relate. Joining us today to break down the a lot of Bucks side of things, especially as it pertains to Giannis Antetokounmpo, is Jackson Frank. He covers the NBA at Dime, at The Analyst, all over the place, has done some Sixers coverage, but most importantly, he's a frequent guest here. If you don't know Jackson by now, I guess welcome because it means that you've joined us recently uh, on this final or on this yeah finals run. But Jackson, uh, we're going to start on on Giannis and the latest after Mike Budenholzer spoke um, during finals media day and get into all of the Bucks side of things on on this show and and some front court stuff and all the rest. What do you make of this uh, this finals matchup? Just generally speaking, because it's taken a lot of turns to get us here, but. I do think, obviously, two top seeds. This should be a, fr- a pretty fun series. Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's one of those things where, yes, of course, um, you know, I want Giannis to play because the you know the more the more talent there is, the more competitive it is for the most part. Um, but it's one of the it's 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 a matchup that, despite such a strange year, I think if people would have said at the at the midpoint of the season, at the All Star break, that this is the finals we get, I think most people would have said. Maybe not the one I anticipated, but one I certainly could envision, um, which I think is cool. You know, I think it's it's a bummer, obviously, that a lot of things have have gone awry for certain teams and injuries and, and whatnot. Obviously, the Bucks includes an extent, even the Suns at, at certain points. Sure. Um, but but I think for the most part, it's cool to have a finals that um, felt pretty attainable um, at the midpoint of a of a strange season, even with everything that's happened over the past couple of months as well. Sure to be an exciting one as well, as we talked about with Brandon on Monday's show. Check that one out if you have not already, folks. Uh, 125 to 124 was the first final score, and then the second was 128-127 in overtime. So a grand total of two points separated these teams. Again, we're going to get into what Giannis changes about this series. I think it kind of makes it from a a Suns advantage to a pretty tight one if Giannis does play. We're going to hit on why he's the most individual, tough matchup individually that the Suns have had to deal with and how the Suns can potentially turn some of Giannis' aggressiveness as a player against him in some interesting ways. We'll get into all that in just a sec. First, though, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. So stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. All right, Jackson, so... The latest on Giannis, he was out there during the open part of practice, which they kind of stage a little bit of a weird thing during the finals where media gets to watch just this last little portion. It's mostly like a shoot around, but he was out there. Mike Budenholzer said he did participate in on-court work on uh, Monday here. And however, Giannis did not speak during finals media day, which is probably smart on Bucks PR. There would be no questions other than, are you playing? I would imagine. And that gets a little bit to be a pain. 
Um, but Chris Haynes did say that Giannis was likely to play in a game seven had there been one in the previous round, meaning he's likely to be a game time decision tomorrow. And the Suns had no answer for him in the previous regular season games that I just named the final scores of. Giannis had 80 points on 27 of 45 shooting and 19 rebounds, which is uh, obviously you can do the averages yourself there. Pretty incredible. So how big of a difference do you think it makes? We saw the Bucks beat beat the Hawks two times here without Giannis, um, but he's their best player. What do you think changes if Giannis does play as soon as game one, Jackson? Yeah, I think it goes from an incredibly competitive series um, that I would still favor the Suns in to degree to one that um, unfortunately doesn't carry a ton of injury to me. Um, you know, the Suns have been one of the best teams in the league all year. And if, if their opponent who, you know, the Bucks have also been one of the better teams in the league all year uh, is down its unequivocal best player uh, and kind of the, the key guy on both ends for you, uh, it just makes a lot less interesting it, it, because, you know, particularly it makes things a lot easier for Don Durant defensively. Uh, it you know, inserts a guy like Bobby Portis from the starting lineup again, who uh, Portis had a tremendous season and been, you know, had some key games in that series against the Hawks. But uh, it's a lot easier to guard Bobby Portis uh, than it is Giannis and Nkumo. Yes. He's a lot easier to exploit defensively. So uh, it makes it one of it, I mean, of course, I'm going to watch these games regardless, um, partly because it's enjoyable, partly because it's my job too. But uh, it just doesn't, it becomes a lot less intriguing to me. Um, hopefully, I'd be wrong there, you know. Um, hopefully I don't even, my, this sort of thing doesn't even come to fruition. We don't even know whether I'm right or wrong about the the competitiveness of this, but, um, just carries a lot less intrigue to me, um, from, from kind of my overarching vantage point. I think it makes things a lot easier for, for eight and especially who's, you know, overwhelmingly been, been really, really awesome, uh, through three rounds of these playoffs. We are going to talk a lot about DeAndre and as we make our way through this show. And I tend to agree with you. I mean, I think. If you're looking at a series where Giannis doesn't play, I probably have the Suns in five, sort of a gentleman sweep. I just don't anticipate that that should be. I mean, it's not even about like a disrespect to the Bucks. It's like any great team that makes it to the finals, if you're facing an opponent without their best player for a prolonged amount of time, you should win. It's not even like, you know, an insult to Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday. It's just how sports work. Like if the Chiefs didn't have Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, everyone would pick the other team. It wouldn't be because they hate the Chiefs. It's because obviously the the um, the equation sort of changes. So, but uh, with that said, I do think if Giannis does play, this could be a really, really fun series. And if those regular season games tell us anything, it should be. Um, on the other side of this though, which is, maybe more pessimistic and imagining a world where Giannis does play again. I, I read those stats that he posted in this and <laughs> it was pretty ridiculous. The Suns won a game where Giannis scored almost 50 points, which is credit to them. But you know, we did see AD that's, this is who I'm thinking of as we get ready to see what, what Giannis does to the Suns. He went for 34 and got to the line 14 times in that game three back in the first round. And I think that that Giannis poses some similar challenge in terms of especially trying to guard him without fouling and, and how much can you afford to use Aiton on him? Can you, you know, risk Aiton getting into foul trouble? What do you do if Aiton's not in the game, but, but Giannis is, or AD is. So I guess, you know, that's a very high threshold, but it's a superstar player. Do you think that that type of Baseline performance, Jackson, is is fair to expect from Giannis if he does play based on what we saw during the regular season and how great he's been in this playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's so tough to know with with an injury like an with a knee like that, especially for a guy like Giannis who relies so heavily on his movement skills. 
um, and his flexibility. Um, you know, the, the knee is one of those things where, you know, the flexibility and movement and change of direction, it can kind of be a hinge there. Um, but I, but I do expect Giannis to play quite well, but at the same time, I think it's interesting because, um, you know, rewatching that first game when Giannis just, just went off in Phoenix. Uh, I mean, it's a different DeAndre Ayton now. And I know, I know Giannis still went off in, in the second game. Uh, unfortunately, I think he, he came out of the game early in overtime with like a calf, like, like a calf cramp or something like that, or a foot, some, some small injury that kept him out for most of overtime in that game in Milwaukee. But um, I, I don't, I don't want to say that like, and the other thing here too is Crowder, Jay Crowder didn't start either either game. Uh, you know, he came yeah. off the bench in both of those, and that's that's a big difference. I think the first, the most recent one, Dario Shard started, and the, the other one, I want to say Kaminsky started. I can't Kaminsky recall. Kaminsky started. It was Crowder's first uh, game back from a foot injury, and so he was yeah. he was good, but he was you know rusty. And, the, and and those guys are just lesser defenders, and they're lesser defenders, especially against the honest archetype. Um, and so I mean, thirty four and thirteen on, on good efficiency is is a pretty high bar, especially. Really, because I mean, Aiton, you know, Giannis will be the most physically imposing guy that Aiton has had to guard in this in these playoffs. Um, but Aiton has only like he's never really been in significant foul trouble to this point. He's had a few games with with four fouls, but um, his body control and kind of and whatnot is so good um, yeah. that I don't, I don't like I'm not saying I don't worry at all, but I think the way that Aiton has taken such significant strides the last you know three and a half months or so makes me a little less wary of that. Um, and so I think Giannis will play well regardless, but I don't think he'll put up like I don't, I'm not putting the base on his dominant numbers. He's had some tough games in, in these playoffs, even though he's overwhelmingly been very good, as you said. Um, but it's just so tough to know because like because none, neither of these games we've seen between these teams this year uh, has it been like an optimal, optimal reflection. You know, DiVincenzo yeah. played both games. Drew Holiday was out for the first one dealing with COVID. Um, you know, Crowder didn't start. Aiton was a much different player in the February matchup. So. Um, I think Giannis will play well, but I'm hesitant to lean fully into the idea that he'll just, you know, he'll just dominate these games, uh, especially because we don't know the health and there's all yeah. these other factors that come in that it's tough to look at. Yeah, and I do appreciate you actually saying the injury, which I did not. It is that hyperextended knee. I think at this point, I just assume everybody saw not only the video, but uh, is aware of what that is. But yes, it's a hyperextended knee, no structural damage. We did get that from ESPN and now obviously is sort of just pins and needles of if he will play or won't play. But I can already feel us breaking down some of how this might look. So let's just jump right into that. On the other side of the break, why this 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 matchup in particular is probably the toughest one that the Suns have faced from an, a one-player standpoint on offense and what they might do to try to stop him. First, though, today's Ultra Player of the Week, of course, is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. I feel like there's nowhere else to go here but Chris Paul. Um, not only, you know, the sentimentality of the joy that a finals berth brought him. I think he's the three-time reigning player of the week because I, I have a hard time going anywhere else with, with this award we do. And um, But not just not just all of the, the emotional stuff, but the guy mustered a pretty incredible closeout game in the conference finals to make it to his first NBA finals and let us in on a little bit of happiness that we don't always get to see. He tends to be pretty stoic. I think he's learned after all these years that um, it's it's not worth celebrating until you finally get to where you've never been. He's there now and he has a chance to get one step further. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Chris Paul reminding us of that. Michelob Ultra also reminding us of that. Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, folks. Enjoyment is not the end game. It is the whole game. 
We will all enjoy watching what Chris Paul does next. He has enjoyed every moment of this, and uh, I'm sure we'll be doing the same all week. Michelob Ultra sponsoring our Ultra Player of the Week. Okay, we are back here. Let's get into why, again, this this Giannis matchup is going to be so tough for the Suns. I think, frankly, that Giannis is just a better player than Anthony Davis in terms of being able to create from the perimeter. I know there's limitations to what he can do, but I think is a better um, self-creator, being able to get from the three-point line to the rim, being able to attack and transition. He can just do more with the ball in his hands. And I think if we talked about um, Jackson, how much of a difficult time that the Suns had guarding AD without fouling in the games when he was healthy, um, I think that's where I start because it makes me feel like Aiton is probably unlikely to get the Giannis matchup for 48 minutes. I don't I don't think, at least in the early games of this series, that the Suns will want to chance. You're right to say he has not struggled with foul trouble like we might have guessed, but I just think that's a risky proposition. So I kind of think, and, and not to mention, when, when Aiton's on the perimeter and not around the basket and he's guarding Giannis out there, then there's no rim protection behind him. And the, and the ripple effect just starts to be something where I don't think the Suns will want to start a game that way. So like you said, Crowder did not start either of the pre- previous games. I think he obviously will start in this series, and I think he's who we might see on Giannis to open games. Do you do you see it that way, or do you think they might try Aiton, or am I off base completely? How do you think tip-off of game one, if Giannis plays, that the Suns will be guarding him? So I, th- I think they'll probably start with Aiton uh, on him as a primary matchup, but I like the idea that you've thrown out of of having Crowder um, kind of be the, the main guy. I think the best way to really slow Giannis is, is through a wing with strength and what and mobility on him and then have your, your best rim protector kind of be that roamer off the ball, um, which to me, the ripple effect there, if you throw Crowder on him and kind of want Aiton to be the helper there, um, one, one, the, the one challenge is that Aiton, I think, is – still can struggle at times about always knowing the necessary rotations to make. Like he's been very good in pick and roll defense, been very good in the post, especially against Nikola Jokic in this in the series, a couple a couple of series ago. Um, but there's times still where you see him, maybe the, the process processing speed still be a little slower than he wants. So that's one thing. He gets I would worry nervous about. trying to help off the dunker spot, especially yeah. when there's um, a post up that he needs to go help on. I think he gets anxious that the ball is going to get to his man. You're right. Yeah, um, but to me, so what I would do then, um, and so and this this will be tough because and I'll get into it why. But if if I if I since I would start Crowder, I would throw Aiton on Tucker because PJ Tucker is just such a non-threat offensively beyond the spot up three, um, and I would try and put Devin Booker on Brook Lopez. Now the worry there is that the Bucks have shown a willingness to post up Brook when he has mismatches or put him in pick and rolls, um, but the main priority should still be to stop Giannis. So. There's always going to be some sort of, you know, like there's always you're going to be at least something, something like to question, right, in this series because Giannis, when you have such a huge lineup with mobility and skill like the Bucks do, uh, if Giannis is healthy, um, because given all the things Brook Lopez has done this in these playoffs, whether it's play the dunker spot, be a pick and roll throw, spot up, you know, post up at times, uh, that, that makes it tough. But um, that's what I would try and go with, but I do okay. because I, I I worry even more about Aiton as that roamer if he has to worry about everything that Brooke Lopez Lopez can do, whether it's space the floor, um, move into open spaces. Brooke Lopez has been a really awesome cutter and kind of finding crevices in the defense at times for those little push shots that he loves. So that's where I would maybe go at times, but I also wouldn't be hesitant to try and you know let Aiton do his thing on the ball. But the fact of the matter is the 
the bug, the, the Suns don't really have a secondary rim protector, you know, in, in their rotation and not in their starting line. I mean, they're, I mean, their best kind of helps their rim protector given their position is maybe either Devin Booker or Mikel Bridges. Um, yeah. And those guys are just kind of too, too short or too, you know, slight of frame for that to really, really work. Or they, they don't have, they don't have a, a Paul Millsap, you know, yeah. uh, that, yeah. that kind of guy. I mean, and Millsap has served the you know, more of the primary rim protector during his heyday in, in, in Denver, not his heyday, but his best years in Denver. So it's a tough matchup for the Suns because the Bucks are a very good team and, but that's maybe some of the things I would try. Not saying that, that I would throw Booker on Lopez for the entire series because the Bucks and Brooke Don't Lopez have shown, it, right? Uh, will have shown an ability to take advantage of it within reason. Um, but that's something I would at least try at times because I think, I think if you like you 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 want to ignore Tucker as much as possible and you, you want to let Aiden kind of focus on being a helper if you're not going to have him be the primary assignment on Giannis. Yeah, I like that. I mean, and I think, you know, the obvious, a, a few things to, to just acknowledge here is there's going to be a ton of switching up and down everything mm-hmm. and, and cross-matching because I think the pace is going to be pretty high. So you'll see plays where wonky matchups just happen because Giannis is a freight train and you grab whoever you can get and you're worried about stopping him and forming a wall more so than, you know, matching perfectly who you're supposed to be guarding. So there will, you know, be a lot of possessions that don't even start with, what you might think of as ideal. Um, in the regular season, Aiton did not tend to start games against Giannis. It was Dario or Frank, which is obviously not what we're going to see and is very much some regular season nonsense. But it does make it a little bit more difficult for Monty. You know, he didn't play his cards necessarily there. We saw it when, you know, when Giannis had it going as a scorer and then clearly to close games that Aiton would take that matchup. And so I, I I tend to think that that's some of what we could see. I do like your idea. I, and just another point is Crowder often against the Lakers in, in the playoffs when AD was in there and when uh, these teams matched up in the regular season, Crowder often guarded Brooke Lopez as another, you know, so it's not so much, like I think people think of it as like when Giannis is at the five, that's when Aiton will do you know, slide over and guard him. And that's not necessarily the case because the Suns trust Crowder to, to stamp out some of those post mismatches or at least hold his mm-hmm. own. He can rebound. So, you know, it's going to, it's going to really be a, a matter of, of constant tinkering and all that. So I think that's, that's a good place to start. I, I, I just can't see Aiton doing it from the opening tip that then again, he did it against Anthony Davis. So, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll obviously check in again. Um, Another few things on this, Tory Craig, in terms of, you know, why it's going to be such a mission to stop Giannis. Tory Craig, I think, could be a pretty solid option. I could even see him playing, you know, closer to what he did in Game 6. Now, I know Cam Johnson will be back in the lineup, so it won't be 31 minutes from Tory Craig like it was. But I think his transition energy, his size, his strength in terms of, you know, transition, forming a wall against Giannis, helping against Giannis, getting caught in a switch... I think Craig's somebody that you probably want out there more so than, you know, even maybe a campaign or, or a player like that. You know, maybe he eats into some of his minutes and the Suns just really do size up a lot. The other thing is I'm, I, I want to throw this at you and I, I'd love to hear if you have any more creative sort of solutions to just getting Giannis to not score the 30 to 40 to 50 he had. Um, but Frank Kaminsky playing over Dario Saric, I actually don't hate in this series just from a pure size standpoint, whether it's Brooke or Giannis, just having a bigger body who can kind of stand there. Like, I think that's all you're going to be asking these guys to do because you're going to get 
smoked if either one of them is actually defending Giannis, but we know one of them's going to need to play because Aiton can't play 48 minutes. So I wonder if Frank actually does make a reappearance. Those are my two, Craig and Frank, just trying stuff out of the box. But if you have anything else, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I think I think especially the way Craig you know played so well in, in Game uh, Six against the Clippers, uh, and he's had some awesome games throughout this series or this this playoff run. Excuse me, um, should should earn should earn minutes. But I, I, don't, I don't want to worry too much about the backup center position because the reality is that Monty Williams should be trying to mirror Aiton's minutes as much as possible with with Giannis. And, and you know, the fact is that like that, you know, that Aiton's done pretty well in terms of handling a big minutes workload throughout these playoffs. Um, it was one of those things where I know at times maybe his his ability to remain super effective with a big workload had come into question early in his career. Um, but he's been downright outstanding in some of these big minutes, you know, games that he's had to had to handle. Um, so I I get the idea, but I think at that point, like if that's if that's what the coaches I was thinking about, I think it's they've already kind of you know missed the plot a little bit. Sure. Uh, maybe that's a little too harsh of a way to put it, but um, point being is that like I don't think there should ever be an intentional time where Giannis is on the floor and Aiton is not, because um, I mean Aiton's had some pretty big minutes, you know, minutes loads in, in, in these playoffs. Whether it's you know forty-two in game game two against the Lakers, forty-one the next game. 40 in the closet against the Clippers, 41 in game four against the Clippers, um, you know, 35 plus quite a few times. Uh, and while Giannis has had some bigger games as, as well, um, I, I don't, I don't want to just try and, you know, like, oh, eight needs a rest. Like maybe let eight you know, be one of those things where eight tells you when he needs a rest, right? Or if you see that his play is slipping. Um, so, so Giannis, I guess that played, idea- Giannis played 45 in regulation in game seven. I, I feel like, you know, that's anybody's limit effectively. Um, I, I agree with you that, that that Aiton should be matching. I guess where I'm coming from is maybe a better way to put it would be I think that Monty may lean toward trying to have more size. I think we could see some double big lineups by the Suns in this series while Brooke and Giannis are both out there. And I think there's also you know just the the matter of Brooke Lopez is is nobody to ignore. So you know maybe in some lineups where Giannis isn't out there and Aiton's not on the floor. Do you want, you know, should that be, I don't necessarily know Milwaukee's rotation well enough to know how often that happens, but like, you know, should you have a bigger player out there for those moments too? I think it's, it's more like you really don't want to lose those minutes because you're probably going to be lucky to break even when Aiton and Giannis are both on the floor. Um, so it's like, you know, how do you stop the bleeding in those minutes? It is small, but I think it's, it, it could, it played out pretty importantly in, in that Clippers series with the Boogie and Dario thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Um, you saw kind of you saw how key it was for Sarge to hit a couple threes. I think it was Game Six, right? When when Sarge hit a couple of first half threes, uh, and Boogie wasn't able to do the same thing, and that, I think they won those minutes, if I recall. Um, whereas earlier in the series, you know, Boogie had been having his way inside against against uh, Dario. So uh, yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, there have been, I mean, there have been times where Bud, uh, ha, you know, Budenholzer has been you know taking taking Lopez off the floor for too long of a stretch. Um, there are times in the last year against the Hawks, it happened, I think in game, game one against the Nets, um, and things like that. So, um, uh, I think like Brooke Lopez is going to be really key. I actually, you know, wrote an article on the analyst today about how good Brooke Lopez has been in this, in these playoffs. Um, just the, I mean, just the different ways he's been able to thrive on both ends, honestly, isn't really impressive. Um, I mentioned the offense with the post game, the rolling and the lob threat, the floor spacing, um, but then even defensively, like, yes, of course, they typically start every every game with deep drop, but they played him higher up at times. They had him switch against the Hawks in, in the game without Trey Young. 
even had to switch sometimes in game six when Trey was back, albeit, you know, limited with the, with the foot injury, unfortunately. So, um, Brooke Lopez is, is a really, really awesome player. And he's someone that you don't just want to, we, we want to just like, we'll, we'll just discard him from the game plan. I think, you know, Tucker is more of that guy offensively. So you don't have to worry much about, uh, now defensively, you know, there's a whole different thing with, with how good Tucker can be on that end. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't dislike the idea of a double big lineup, um, so much as I, I just, I don't, I don't want the coaching staff to, you know, try and prioritize like stopping Giannis in the non-eight minutes because I think there sure. shouldn't really be non-eight minutes when Giannis is out there. But, no, that's uh, that's totally definitely fair. definitely see what you mean about maybe the double, double big there, given given how I mean, I mean that just the, the Bucks lineup is just ginormous. I mean, especially if they continue to start Portis if in any games that Giannis misses. I mean, your smallest player out there at that point is Drew Holiday, who's six three a with a, a very. And who's yeah strong strong as an ox and you know has a plus wingspan so uh, pretty pretty German I mean what, they've been starting Chris Middleton from the two who's six eight it's it's a pretty big lineup out there so yeah totally get that sentiment yeah we'll have to see I, I do think you know Monty's default has been to play big I think most Suns fans will say that that being small and and just playing to your own strengths is the way to go um, but I wouldn't be surprised maybe early in the series if Monty did just try some of that stuff and see what he can get away with. If you can steal some games where Aiton, you know, can play 36 minutes and you get a plus performance from one of those guys, you, you count your blessings. And I obviously like with everything in the finals, you have to be ready to adjust instantly, but I want to get to more on Brooke Lopez. And I think he fits into some of what we're going to talk about in this next segment, which is how the Suns can maybe turn some of Giannis aggressiveness against him, especially when they are on offense so let's do that in just one quick second. First, though, folks, a quick word from betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. We have the MLB in full swing heading toward the stretch run. Um, look, bet on something to get your mind off of the Diamondbacks. If you're a local fan, uh, they have been horrible and it's not worth watching. But make baseball season fun again. Try BetOnline. Head over to the website on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all of their news, sign-up bonuses, and cost test info. Of course, NBA Finals odds and props to go around for you as well, I'm sure. But when you get to betonline.ag to make your first bet, you're going to do that again either on their website or on their mobile app. You're going to make an account, and when you put your first deposit down, use the promo code Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. Again, Make an account at betonline.ag, put that first deposit in, and get a 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show also brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's pretty hard to even trust that when you walk into your local chain auto parts store or a dealership that you're even going to get what you need. And, of course, it's pretty impossible to imagine you're going to get a fair price. It's just not how it goes, but... If you have access to the internet and you're looking for um, an easier situation, a solution to that problem, Rock Auto is your company. You can save time and money. You don't even need an account to make a purchase. You just type in what your make and model are, scroll down the landing page, find the part that you need, click in, and it's at your door in days. So why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts at a chain store or car dealership when you could check out Rock Auto. Again, no account needed. It's a family business. They have been doing this for 20 years, serving auto parts customers just like you. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. 
Back here with Jackson Frank, last segment of our NBA Finals preview. It feels crazy to think that we are going to be tipping off here in just hours. Hopefully, everybody is just as excited. Subscribe to the show so you do not miss it. I will be instantaneously responding here on Tuesday night after Game 1. But, Jackson, let's flip over to how Giannis is going to function for the Bucks when the Suns are on offense former, or I guess not former, reigning Defensive Player of the Year. And, you know, I think... No, Aiton, he's, he's former at this point. Rudy Gobert was... That's uh, true. Was I, I guess I choose. Maybe I had an intentional lapse to ignore the fact that Rudy, <laughs> it, that Rudy won the award. But but also, too, they, they did change when they announced some of the awards this year around the end of the year. At the end of the year show, which was always a disaster. It was like the season ended. But, yeah, but anyhow, Defensive Player good. of the Year. Yes. Uh, defensive, so. And Aiton, Aiton factors in here, his, his offense and, and what he can do. We're also going to talk about Brooke Lopez, like you said. But... Um, Aiton all playoffs. I mean, he's, he's really dictated lineups and, you know, that's come by running the floor, rolling hard, scoring, even the occasional post up. He's been a weapon in the situations when, where the Suns have needed him to be one enough that the defense is, is genuinely having to account for him. So do you think, let's just start here. Do you think those same opportunities will be there against Brooke Lopez and, and this Bucks defense? Uh, sorry, can you you might you cut out just briefly there? Can you repeat that again? Sorry. Do you think that the same level of production we've seen from Aiton will be available to him against against Brook and, and the Bucks defense? Yeah, I mean that's that's interesting because I really am fascinated to see that matchup. Um, I think you know it's it it is the best um, you know defensive big that that eight that Aiden has faced throughout an entire series obviously AD it's a better def- defender um but wasn't always playing the five and unfortunately wasn't healthy for the duration of that series so um I am curious to see what happens there I I'm a little I'm a little hesitant to say the same opportunities will be there um I think in general, you know, the Bucks will come out in game one with deep drop like they tend to do pretty much every series and from there they will adjust um, I think when they adjust, it'll be harder because, um, you know, especially because like, you know, Chris Paul and Devin Booker aren't guys who are going to bury you from, from pull up with pull up three, you know, they love the mid range off the dribble much more than they love the, the pull up threes, despite um, Chris Paul's barrage from deep uh, in game six. Um, and, so, and, and book's been a little better there, but you're right. And book, it's yeah, not going to really be their, their MO. Yeah. He's had a few flurries from, from three in the, in the playoffs this year, but um, so I think it'll be a little more limited, especially if Giannis plays. Like if they're if they're able to put Giannis on Crowder, for instance, and, and Giannis is a low man there tagging to, to muck stuff up against Aiton on the roll, um, that'll be tougher. But at the same time, Aiton has done really well on the rolls, and you're kind of figuring out what the, the proper place to catch the ball is, you know, whether it's roll hard, really hard to the rim you know, directly after you hit the screen, um, or if it's to maybe, you know, meander in there and kind of get that floater range and use a soft touch. Um, he's been really good there. So I still, I still think he'll be quite good. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see maybe a, a few instances at times where, you know, Aiden skews a little closer to the second half of game. Was it game five when Aiden was pretty quiet? Um, in yes. the second half after a big, big fourth quarter or big first quarter uh, game. Yeah. So that one, um, or maybe it was, yeah, it was one of the, one of the games. Could have no, been game I, four I think well. you're, I think you were right. It was, it was game uh, one. And one of the, it was either the one the Clippers won or the one that was, uh, just basically a rock fight for the, for yeah, the entire I mean, second half. Probably but, both. Yeah. But point being is one of the games where Yvika Zubats is doing a tremendous job in the pick and roll, um, making things tough for, for especially Chris Paul, um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see some stuff that skews closer to that than maybe what we've come to expect for most of Aiton's run throughout these playoffs. But 
Um, I just have been really impressed with the way he's been able to discern the openings as a screener and roller. Um, and again, his touch is so, so good from, you know, 10 feet and in, especially five feet and in, um, that I think he'll still do well there. But Giannis's presence does really complicate things because he is, he is the best help side defender in the NBA, I think for my money. Um, and obviously one of the best defenders in the NBA in general. So, um, that makes things different. It's, it's a whole different game, right? If Bobby Portis is the low man there trying to muck up what he can do on the roll versus what if it's Giannis. So, um, sure. like, I think I'm in agreement with you that I expect Giannis to play, um, at some point early in this series. I don't, I, I don't know if I can say definitively that it's game one, but I, I expect within the first three games, we'll see Giannis back, um, which, you know, clearly complicates things a little more for Aiden on, on the roll there. So, um, yeah, that's you, my long winded way of saying that I, I think it'll be a little tougher, but I do trust Aiden to still be quite good on that, in that role. Yeah, you brought up a couple of things that I think get to the idea that I kind of came up with of using Giannis's aggressiveness against him. And like the caveat being like, I know I'm not reinventing the wheel. I've not found the the chink in Giannis's armor that no one else has possibly come up with. However, I do think part of how the Suns play offense compared to how the Bucks like to play defense does leave some openings. And we saw them play out in the last matchup. So uh, or both of the regular season matchups. So a couple things. One is, I think, like, we talked a lot about Trey Young versus the Brook Lopez drop and, and the ways that the Bucks adjusted, and then ultimately Trey got hurt, and, and it, it didn't matter a whole lot in how the series ended up ending. But mm-hmm. I think Chris is actually, in some ways, because of his comfort with the actual mid-range jumper, whereas Trey's a little bit more of, you know, pull-up three or floater, but doesn't really mm-hmm. have, like, a pull-up jumper. The way that, that that Chris was engaging Brooke and like his change of speed to just be able to stop on a dime and pull up was, re- I think, really, really posing problems. So I think his manipulation of that stuff is just at, at a higher level to where I, I think mm-hmm. we talked about this with Brandon a little bit yesterday of, of Chris needing to be like the game six aggressiveness, the game four against the Nuggets level of aggressiveness needs to probably be there for most of every game in this series, just because of, of how much he is uniquely suited to punish the Bucks, I also think part of that is the skip passes to punish Giannis helping in that way were about as perfectly timed as you'll ever see. Like the minute Giannis took a step toward the paint, the ball was going to Crowder in the corner, like every single time, just to make him second guess it. It's not like Giannis didn't get back out to contest or that every single one of those threes went in. To me, that was more about... You're not going to help like you're not going to be comfortable rotating and helping exactly the way that you want to. And I'm going to make sure you're respecting that my pass can get there every single time. And I think, you know, campaign and Booker both need to mimic that be be looking for that pass and be you know ready with that timing. Can they do it as well as Paul? Probably not. Um, and then a couple other things in terms of the aggressiveness. We saw a lot of games where Aiton actually got to the basket on cuts when Booker or Paul was able to suck the defense in because we know the Bucks are going to load the paint when they can. And Aiton was able to kind of be on the back end of the play and get some drop-off passes and things um, against that. He also had a couple floaters. Like, he rolled and caught the ball and had enough time to take a floater all because of how deep Brook Lopez was, which maybe the space won't be there to do that anymore. Um, and then one other thing is that I think, like we saw against Denver, which, which Zach Lowe wrote about and a lot of fans liked, the breakdown of is um, moving floor spacers continuing to move and screen when the help is is happening. Where you know if Giannis is is sucked into Aiton or is trying to make something happen as a helper or you know any other buck on the floor, 
Like, we need to see Crowder rising to the wing, not staying in the corner. You know what I mean? Or we need to see guys that are going to screen for each other and make that help a little bit harder. Um, so those are my initial observations on on some of, of what you said. But I wonder how you're thinking about the other part of how the Bucks could play defense, which would change a lot. And I think we will obviously see it at times. You know, a different version rather than the drop and help and, and everything else and rotate is just the switching. And that's part of why they built that into what they're able to do on defense is because they knew they needed a backup plan. So do you think that's where this series is ultimately headed? I mean, we're talking about why Brooke might struggle a little bit. Do you think by, you know, game six, like, is that going to be where the Bucks head for most of a, of a game when they need to win? I think... So I think against Chris Paul, I don't mind switching as much as I do against Devin Booker because the last couple of years, the, the not the easiest, I guess it's not the best way to put it, the the most effective way to at least slow Paul to an extent, uh, maybe aside from what Evika Zubac did at times in the last series, uh, is the switch because the fact of the matter is, like, like Chris Paul remains a tremendous, tremendous player, um, but he doesn't have a lot of athleticism left. He doesn't have that, that quick, jittery burst that he had either pre-injury or even in his heyday with the Clippers. So um, if you have kind of the wings and the size and the mobility to maybe, you know, take away some of the airspace he likes to get in that mid-range area for his pull-up, th- then you should do it. Um, and while Lopez, you know, is you know, a bit of a plotter and it's still very slow changing directions and, and decelerating or accelerating, um, he he can do some things. I mean, you saw him give guys like Bogdan Bogdanovich and Kevin Herter issues, even Lou Williams issues when they switched. Um, now those are lesser lesser players and, you know, even guys who struggle their own, on their own to create kind of advantages against size um, at times. So uh, I would not be surprised if we see that down the stretch of the series. And I, I don't think it's a, a bad move because as I said, like, I think, you know, you know, if you just play deep drop, Chris Pond and Rooker are going to burn you. Um, I don't expect that to be the, I don't expect switching to be the, the immediate counter to, you know, if, if the, if the Suns just dice up Brooke or Brooke and deep drop there. Um, but I expect it to be, to be a counter at times. And that's what I really want to see from Milwaukee is, is kind of constantly changing their approach because that's what you have to do against a, an offense like like Phoenix. You know, I, I mentioned, I think I wrote it in my article about Brook Lopez over at the analyst, but um, you know, I think the Nets are the best. The Nets are the best when when Kyrie and Katie were the, the best offense that the Nets the Bucks have faced. But the 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 Suns are the most like well oiled, I think, in terms of like in terms of scheme. Like a lot of what makes the Nets great is that they have Katie and Kyrie and part of that series. And it's just a lot of, you know, talent over scheme and game plan. But the Suns just keep coming at you um, with all these different things. I mean, you just saw the way they tried to adapt their offense against the Clippers. The Clippers had some really nice stretches defensively. So um, I would not be surprised if we see the switching, but I don't expect that to, to surface early. I mean, it, as you saw, it took till game five for them to really go one through one through five in that. I mean, we saw it at times in game one, at times in game two, but uh, for it to really become the, the approach against Trey Young and, and yeah. the Hawks. Um, I guess not Trey because he was out when they first kind of initiated the, the full one through five, but against the Hawks, it took some time. So um, again, another long way to ramble and I apologize. No, it's, it's cool. there. No, I, um, I think what I think of based on what you're saying, and I think if, if you're a Bucks fan, you're probably hoping for the mix up to be, because I, I like, We've now seen the progression tend to be that the Bucks are going to start with the deep drop, then they're going to get closer to, you know, a shallow drop. You know, people I think on I was even seeing online, like, could they hedge with Brooke? Would that be another look? I don't think they'll necessarily get uncomfortable in that That's way. That's like the one thing we haven't seen from Brooke in these playoffs. Like we we've yeah. seen the, the deep drop, we've seen the shallow drop, we've seen him switch, like we haven't really seen him hedge and recover or show and recover. And I 
or even trap. And I don't, I think that's because that's like probably his biggest limitation in ball screen cover. Like you can do everything else at times, but I think you're asking a lot of, of a dude like that who can struggle to change directions and, and whatnot and start and stop to, to hedge and recover. I mean, cause he's, yeah. he's a seven foot, 280 pound dude who's 33 years old. It's a lot, it's a lot yeah. to ask yeah. for him. And the ver- the versatility though of being able to execute like everything else but that combined with the fact that you know if Giannis is at the five in some lineups like he's actually not a terrible drop defender in his own right so like you have a lot of different things you can go to and I think you know it's it's asking to be honest a fair bit of Bud to be so um, you know risky and and constant with his adjustments this is not Ty Lue that you know Suns fans will will probably appreciate that but. I do think that there's there is a lot of different wrinkles to be found if the Bucks are willing to try stuff, and so I think you know we'll probably see a little bit of everything. A few more adju- uh, adjustments or just kind of thoughts that I had, especially from the February 10th game, which just for folks at home, PJ Tucker was obviously not a part of the Bucks then, and and Torrey Craig was, which is kind of funny to to rewatch. But the, Milwaukee was pre switching um, when. When some when Aiton went to set a screen, they'd have Giannis or or Chris get onto Aiton so that that they could switch the screen onto Booker or Paul and have it be Giannis or Middleton there, which is pretty interesting to me. Um, what the Suns did to adjust off of that is they just started running double screens and they had you know Lopez's man and um, whoever Aiton whatever it was, and so they just ended up getting the switch on to, to Lopez that they wanted anyway. Um, they also with Holiday and well, it wasn't Holiday in that game, but DiVincenzo was pressuring. We obviously know Drew Holiday is capable of some full court type of pressure. They started setting really high transition drag screens to get Paul and Booker getting headed downhill toward the drop a little bit faster and get that guy off of them. So I think that's a little bit of a taste of, again, some of this stuff of just using the aggressiveness against them. And one more thing is I think we're going to see when Giannis does end up switching onto Booker or Paul, which is Mike Prada and I were going a little bit back and forth on Twitter about today. Um, and Giannis, if there's maybe one weakness that he has and maybe one of the reasons why the Bucks are pretty risk averse in terms of always switching or catering their roster to be more of a one through five switching type of team is Giannis is, is not somebody you want to be fighting through screens over and over, you know, if, if Giannis gets onto Paul with some time left on the clock and they can, you know, come set us a, a double screen with like Booker and Aiton up to the top of the key, Giannis having to navigate all of that is, is really asking a lot of him. He is athletic. He is mobile, but he, at the end of the day, he's still six eleven. So I think that's another way where if, if they really do start to just give in to switching the bucks, then you're going to want to run Giannis through some of that stuff. And obviously best case scenario, you get him off of you because they reswitch or worst case for the, or I guess the other, the other option is he, he kind of, you know, runs into those screens. So I think being ready to continue to poke at the bucks defense is in all of these different ways going to be a real key. Um, but Jackson, I'll give you the floor to close us out. Is there anything else that comes to mind that stands out to you from from your rewatching or just having? I, I you probably know the Bucks better than me because I <laughs> have to admit I have not obviously been locked in on them. So what else do you got for us that that people should be keeping an eye on for uh, for this? Yeah, the, one of the things that stood out to me in that first game, um, you know, of, between these two teams, and again, it's to preface that this was a different version of DeAndre Ayton, but um, the especially early in the first half, I thought at times the the Bucks made a conscious effort to set screens against Aiton and uh, the Suns are pretty willing to accept those switches. Um, they adjusted a little bit later in the game, 
Um, but I expect to see some more of that, uh, assuming Giannis plays at some point in this series, um, just trying to set screens to maybe, you know, either force eight to navigate through them. Uh, we saw him struggle at times, you know, navigating screens against, you know, Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets in that, in that second round series. Um, it's, I mean, it's the fact that it's the same thing with Giannis, like a dude that big uh, and strong, it's tough to navigate screens. Like it, it, it's a lot easier when you're smaller and, and you know, kind of can merge strength and, and uh, smallness with, you know, with uh, screen navigation. So would not be surprised if we see some of that. Uh, of course, you, you still want Aiton to nav- to fight through those rather than just pure switch them and have a guy like, Kel or CP or Booker, whoever it is, Crowd or even um, on them. So uh, I would be curious to kind of see if that's something we, you know, we the Bucks lean into if, if Aiden's having some success early on against Giannis in this matchup. Um, but other than that, I think, you know, uh, like nothing else really comes to mind. You mentioned that the Suns like the Chris Paul versus Brooke Lopez matchup there for the Suns on offense. Um, I really expect them to target that again, um, whether it's really forcing a switch. Um, like they did some stuff in that first game where they would have CP be a screener um, and then kind of maybe change his route and maybe force Bo- Lopez to be the guy that you know comes out to, to Paul and receiving the pass after being an off-ball screener. So um, those are a couple of things I'd be looking out for, especially the first one. Like I really do think the Bucks are going to try and you know get some mismatches there, see if the, the Suns will concede some you know uh, I guess un- less favorable switches on their behalf. Um, and kind of see if Giannis can get downhill and get some man ones and force other other key players into foul trouble because um, even if Aiton's the guy you really want to keep out of foul trouble, you want to keep all your all your rotation players out of foul trouble. And you want to limit how often you know or how quickly you know the opposing team gets in the bonus. So that's the big thing for me is is how the Suns approach that if if the if the Bucks are really setting a lot of you know ball screens around the free throw line and Giannis is operating up top. But I think if Giannis is operating up top, that's can be kind of a win at times for the for the yeah. Suns. You really want really want Giannis if you're the Bucks to be the roller the mid post guy catching the ball at the elbow things like that you don't want him attacking from the top you know 12 15 20 times a game yeah the foul trouble stuff wasn't as big of a storyline against the Clippers just because of the way that they play they don't really force opponents to have to foul them very much and I think it will be more of one in this series like you just laid out but also I mean unrelated to what we've talked about but just because I I didn't choose to focus on it too much in in either of the preview shows is just Chris Middleton has a pretty massive strength advantage on Mikhail Bridges, and I think officials tend to give the opponent the call in those moments because I think they look at Bridges kind of looking out of control at times or being pushed around or having to compensate with his length, and and sometimes you know they'll give the, the guy he's guarding the benefit of the doubt on those calls. So I think that's another foul subplot. I think the Suns avoiding foul trouble, as you identified, is probably just a series-long priority for them and and that could be a you know affect minutes that could affect matchups that could obviously go back to this Giannis and Aiton thing so uh, I think that's a pretty good bow to tie on this conversation two-part preview check out yesterday's if you did not already and if you found your way here and you did not already subscribe welcome to the show please do that because I will be here on Tuesday night getting you your recap of game two uh, or of game one and honestly a, a little bit of a preview of game two these series these games are going to come pretty quickly throughout this series. So Jackson, thank you for um, joining me as always. He is at Jack Frank underscore JJF. He said he just wrote about Brooke Lopez. Read that. Anything else that the folks should be ready for from you? Um, nothing really. I'm, you know, just, you know, kind of 
see what content comes to mind as these play as these finals unfold. Um, kind of as I have for every playoff round in the series, but. Uh, appreciate oh, on, people Brendan. definitely need to read your Cam Johnson breakdown on Dime. That was uh, <laughs> look the fan the the Phoenix fans. If we're getting like an eighth man breakdown of a Suns role player, <laughs> then you have already earned your way to their hearts. <laughs> See, I mean, Cam was great in those first five games. Honestly, like one of the Suns' three or four best players. So I liked liked writing about him because obviously the you know the Monty book uh, CP and Aiton were going to get all the shine and deservedly so, but. Uh, on a series by series basis, Cam was crucial there. So appreciate you plugging that for sure. I, uh, yeah. That was a fun one to write because he w- he was great in that series. We love Cam. He's a two time guest on Locked On Suns, so he uh, he earns the the love from us. But uh, yeah, that'll wrap us up, folks. Enjoy Game One. Enjoy for any of you who are there, who are watching with family, whatever. Don't take this for granted. Lose, win, whatever. This is awesome. The experience is already. Um, you know, half the battle. We haven't had this in so long, so I know you guys will will have a blast watching these games, and I'll be right there with you. Check back post game on this feed for my recap, and I will talk to you then.